2nd, 3rd John, but also wrote the book of Revelation. The theme of 1st John has to do with the idea of fellowship. Fellowship. What is fellowship most importantly? Where is fellowship to be used? You know? I'm sorry? You and God, exactly. Fellowship between you and God is the most important thing for first John or for a Christian. The fellowship, don't get me wrong, fellowship's important for a Christian between each other, but it's more important between you and God. Why? Because if your fellowship with your brother and sister, if your fellowship with God is not right, your fellowship with your brother or sister is not going to be right either. To have correct fellowship, you first have to have correct fellowship with God. Then you can have the right fellowship with your brother and sister. We talked about two purposes of the book of 1 John. First of all, to urge a closer fellowship with God. And secondly, was the assurance of salvation. I explained last week how it was important to understand that if you don't have a close walk with God, you're not going to have a very clear assurance of your salvation. And why is that? When you are disconnected from a power source, what happens? Brother Lewis knows this. He works on electricity. You take that. Or I'll give you an example, Brother Lewis. I had to call my dad this last week. And I couldn't turn on my lights to my downstairs. I didn't know why. I tried to figure it out. I looked at the first. Yes. <laughs> no, the rest of the house is working, brother. So I, I go downstairs and I, I, I pull out the first uh, recess lighting and I look at all the connections. I, I take out my tester and I'm, you know, figuring out it's not reading anything. And I'm confused. I go up all the way to the very first beginning of the power. And that, not, well, not the very, very beginning, but to the first switch that comes in there. And I'm talking to a pastor. I'm like, I don't know what this could be. And, and pastor says, have you checked the first switch? So I go down, I go upstairs, and I'm looking at the switch, and I, I take the cover off, and I look inside, and I notice that part of the black wire, where there was a wire nut, I looked at the black wire, and I says, oh, wait a minute, it's been disconnected a little bit. So I pulled those black wires out, tightened it up, and voila, there was power, there was light. Same sense with your Christian life, when you disconnect the power, which is what? The life sources, which is what? Christ. You automatically lose light in your Christian life. There becomes what? Darkness. You wonder sometimes why Christians that have been faithful to the word of God, faithful to prayer, faithful to what? God's house. Which really, it's not God's house. It's where Christians reside. God's house is you. You wonder why people that have been faithful all these years start beginning to fall away. They've been disconnected from that life source. They've been, wires have been pulled away from the source that's important. There was an illustration once of, how many know D.L. Moody? If you don't know D.L. Moody, read about him. He was in this city here, Chicago. Now, again, D.L. Moody wasn't everything. He had some, some beliefs that I don't think was completely scriptural. But I do know that he was a saved individual. And one day he noticed that one of his church members was being absent from the body of Christ and wasn't being faithful. And he, he went and talked, went over to his house and talked to him about it. And in those days, if you saw, uh, if you go to any of these old homes, 
Some of you might even, uh, if you, some of these real nice homes on the, uh, we used to go out to Western and Garfield, uh, Garfield Boulevard. There's some beautiful homes along that strip. If you go in some of these real old homes, you'll find that some of them had fireplaces. And he would go there and they were sitting there talking about the importance of being faithful to church and being doing the things that God wanted them. And he was trying his best to try to illustrate to this man how important it was to be faithful to God and be faithful to church. And so what he did is they were sitting there silently, and, and while he was sitting there, he took one of the hot, 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 hot coals, caliente, or how do you say it in Spanish? There's another word, right? Uh, inferno, all right? Took it out of the fire, and he let it sit there. That red hot coal that was just on fire, that was burning hot, all of a sudden became blacker and blacker. And that red hot coal no longer was glowing. And before long, guess what happened? It was just a black coal. He took that coal and he stuck it back in the fire. And before long, what happened? that black coal started to become red glowing hot again. And D.L. Moody didn't have to say a word. The man looked at him and says, Pastor, I'll be in church this Sunday. And why did this understand that? Because when you take away the power source, when you take away the importance of God's word, when you take away the importance of being in church, you become what? Cold. There's no glowing warmth with inside of you. There's nothing that's, that's generating that power. Instead, you have become cold and hard and become no decision made in your life. That's the importance of what? Having a walk with God. And I gave four points. Walking shows progression or direction. When you're standing still, let me tell you something. You're not going cold. You're not going, you're not going forward. You're not going backwards. You're just standing still. <coughs> walking shows communion. When you're walking with someone, guess what? You can walk in silence if you want to. Most of the time, though, when you're walking with someone, it's because you're friends with them. You enjoy them. When you're walking downtown and you take one of those streets, you'll find that you're walking with people. You don't know them. You don't like, sometimes you start wondering when people start walking beside you and just start walking, keep walking beside you. What's wrong with this guy? Right? Oh my goodness. Who is this person? Ladies might think, this guy is creepy. Right? Um, and you might think, what is he doing? Right? But you don't think of anything like that. I love these ladies that walk downtown. They walk four Aside, and I'm like, excuse, excuse me, and you're not trying to get out in the street. You're walking around. Why? They're walking together because they have communion with each other, right? Riding a bicycle. What happens? I know it's not walking, but you're riding a bicycle. I used to take bike hikes when I was a kid. We liked to ride together. We used to ride side by side. If a car came, then we would get in single file. But we would ride together. Why? Because then we could see each other. We could talk to each other. We could what? Communicate with each other. Thirdly, walking shows protection. Shows protection. It's very easy when you're walking alone to get attacked. Doesn't it? Brother Juan? 
Think about your old days, huh? The old days in the gang? Most gang members, I am assuming this, and I've never been in a gang. Most gang members, they hang out in packs, don't they? <laughs> they, they don't want to get attacked alone, do they? I've seen a lot of them. They've become very bold when they're with their buddies. But I've seen guys that are not, uh, it takes courage to try to fight somebody by yourself. No, they do it. Don't get me wrong. And they're really stupid sometimes for doing it. I wouldn't want to mess with the guy uh, that takes on four guys at once. I mean, remember Renal? He used to come to this church, and they had a gang that was trying to get him to join. And I remember him telling me, his grandma telling me, there was nine boys that were trying to get him to the gang. And if you know Renal, he was, he was a big boy. And I remember his grandma telling me, you say he wasn't a big boy. Now he's giving this look like, mm-hmm. I would not tangle with Renal. Right, Brother Juan? Remember, remember, he just seemed like he just had a scrawny, scrappy. And he, he says his grandma told me he took on nine boys all at once. They tried to get him to join a gang. They started to beat up on him. But I'll tell you what. When you're with a group of people, it's much easier to stay protected. I don't want to tangle with people. And you know what? If I had, you know, I'm Brother Lewis. What, how are you, six foot two? Six foot three? I'd rather have him by my sign. Okay. I won't mess with people. Won't want to mess. They don't think we'll look at him. Go. He's a big guy. I won't mess with him. All right. And it says they might say, get that that fat little short guy on the side and take care of him. Don't mess with that guy. All right. In the same sense, when your Christian life comes to a fight, and believe me, you will have fights in your Christian life. It's much better to have Christ by your side when you're in the middle of a fight. Right? Fourthly, walking shows patience. I gave the illustration last week, but I'll repeat it again because it's a very good illustration. When I had Bear, I don't know if you guys remember Bear, but Bear was a big dog. At his height of his adulthood, he was 140 pounds. He was half Rottweiler, half Akita, but he would look like a horse. And he was a big dog. And when he was a pup, though, he had this playful attitude and he never understood how to walk next to you and I remember there was times when uh, you know I, I told this illustration last week he would go out and and you would watch him and and he would escape from his leash and we had this big open field when we lived in Michigan behind our trailer just beautiful I mean it was gorgeous all the way in the back there was pine trees and had a little bit of a hill so it's just gorgeous but he would take off down that 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 field and uh You'd get close to him, and he'd slow down, and he'd turn around and go like this. And he'd kind of look at you. And then when you got close enough, he'd turn back around and start taking off. And he'd play that game. I'd probably spend 30, 40 minutes trying to catch that dumb dog. Pastor says, that's enough of that. And whenever you had him on a leash, he'd always want to take off. And you're always doing one of these numbers, right? I remember Pastor put a choke chain on him. And we had these snowmobile trails next to us in Michigan. And he would have them like this. And he would walk. Whenever Bear would want to lurch on the leash, he would grab the chain and he'd go, whoo! And we'd go, whoo! And the dog would, okay, right? Heel! And he'd do it again, whoo! He'd pull him like that. And he'd say, heel! And before long, Bear Dog, 
You take him on a leash. You didn't have to worry about him taking off. Why? He was watching you. He was making sure that he was staying right by your side. When you are walking by Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You are showing patience. You're saying, I'm not going to take off on you, Christ. I'm going to obey your every word. Saul's problem was what? He became what? Impatient. Christians become the same way. So, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. And I talked about this last week, but for the sake of review and for the sake of those that weren't here, we'll go over this again. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. a second folks I apologize someone read that 1st John 1 verse 8 okay now let's start back in verse 5 someone read 5 through 8 for me please We already read that, so we don't have to read that again. So here we find what? We find that if you're not walking in the light, you're lying to yourself. It's very important to understand that walking in the light is what? Walking with Jesus Christ. Okay? Your goal, your purpose is to say, hey, I know what's right. I need to be faithful to it. Listen to me. If you don't fight back against sin, you're going to let it rain in your body. You are by nature a what? Say it loud. A sinner. If you don't take purpose, if you don't take heart and say, I am not going to allow sin to reign in my body. People say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be uh, Christ-like. Really? What's your plan? We must have revenge on our sin. Your sin has become taken over your body and you need to say, okay, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this sin. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure this sin is not a part of my life. What's this idea of repentance? Repentance is the idea that you're turning your back on your sin. But most of us sometimes become like Satan. I'm Samson. We what? Play with our sin. We try to uh, 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 dance around it. We try to not be faithful to it. And eventually what happens? We end back up in that very place that we never said we would be. Christ wants us to what? Have revenge. Walk. Don't let darkness become a part of your life. You can think of many ways that darkness can be a part of your life. Each of us have a sin that we deal with that we're trying to get victory over. Trying to be faithful for it. The question is, what are you doing to eradicate it in your life? What are you doing to stop it? Or are you letting it, what? Have free reign. Does Cassie, did it work? 
No power. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Probably just need to be reset. So here we find what? It says what? We have to walk in light. Secondly, what do we also need to do? It's not just good enough just to try to avoid it because guess what? You're a... A what? What are you? A sinner. What does it say we should do if we have sin? First John 1, 9 it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what does it say in verse 10? If we say that we have not sinned, we make who a liar? Who's him? Christ. God. We make Christ a liar. We know that's not true. Christ is not a liar. And it says, his word is not in us. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? I'll give you this illustration. My dad would constantly tell us boys... Maybe the girl, my sister too, I'm not for sure. But I know he did it to us boys. We would do something stupid, something wrong, and he'd say, 1 John 1, 9, it's son. That's only how I remember that verse. What? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us our sins. and to, I'm sorry, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it starts with walking with him, first of all. All right. So we go back to this idea of walking in light. Secondly, we're going to walk in righteousness. Turn to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. All right, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. Someone read that through 6 for me. Ah, sorry, let's start back in verse 2 or verse 3. And verse 3, 1 John 2, verse He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We've established that, right? But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. You want to see God's love perfected in your life? You have to keep his word. Be faithful. You shouldn't say anything new. This is not rocket science, Mr. Hot. I know, I know, I know. But it seems like so many times we forget this, don't we? Keeping his word. Says, hereby know we that we are in him. You want to see if Christ is a part of your life. What are you neglecting in your life that Christ has told you to do? What are you neglecting? Everybody, I I said that and there was a thought that came to your head, wasn't there? There was a thought that came to my head. What are you neglecting that is not keeping his word. There's a host of things the world 
can entice us to do. There's a host of things that the, uh, our, uh, a sinner might entice you to do. There's a host of things that your flesh will tell you to do. But Christ doesn't want you to. What are you neglecting? He that saith he abideth him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. It should be something that you get up in the morning. <laughs> you that were there for the Valentine banquet, we had the pledge. I am a man. I am romantically challenged, right? How about doing that every morning with your life? Saying, I am a sinner. I am righteously challenged. <laughs> right? Something that we should pledge to do. Paul says, I what? I die daily. Man, if we could get this point across in our lives, like First John says, we have to what? Walk in righteousness. says here also, not only are we to walk in righteousness but keeping by keeping his commandments, but abiding in him. Uh-oh, pastor's been talking about this quite a bit, right? What does it say in verse 6? He that abideth in him. Whoa, boy, that seems very clear, doesn't it? To abide in him, to abide in him. It's so easy to abide in your own flesh, in your own skin, in your own nature. Well, how many times do we actually abide in him? I'm going to move on. So secondly, walking in righteousness. But thirdly, we are to walk in love. Walk in love. First of all, love the brethren. And the sisters too. Today I took a picture of my little girls. Rare occurrence. They were all, not all of them, just the three youngest. There was Adeline, Kate, and Callie. And they were, they, we have this shelf in the room, and I don't know, what did you put on it, honey? What was it? What was on it before they started using it as a seat? Just books. I don't know why there's books missing now, but besides, they're up higher now? Okay. So they decided to use that bottom shelf as a seat, and all three of them were sitting together, looking up. And I, oh, that's cute. I took a picture of it. But you know what? It's the very rare occurrence that I see either one of them is fighting with the other. Usually I'm hearing a scream, a yell. Usually it's Adeline bothering one of her twin sisters, or it's one of the twins taking something from the other twin. Okay? And, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about this idea, and I put on the caption underneath it, let sisterly love continue. Uh, as the verse, actually, it's the verse I'm going to talk about, uh, verse that we're going to go to today. But it's funny because you think about it for a second. A church that is divided is not a church of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about the church of Christ that Brother Mohan used to go to. I'm talking about the, the church that Christ is control of. I'm talking about the church that the basic rule of law is whatever Christ wants us to do. You'll find that a church that has great care for each other is the same church that has great love for Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't just stop at the idea of, of, well, when I leave this church building, I have no contact with anyone else. I see my family, I see my coworkers, and that's it. Until next Sunday. See you again. It should be that our church should have a desire to reach out to those that are sick, to those that are needy, to those that have had children. Recently, we have two families in our church that are missing 
Uh, because they have a baby at home. New, brand new baby. How many of us have thought to take the time to maybe go over there and encourage them? They need the fellowship as much as I, we do. Do you think just because they're at home that they are not necessarily need of the fellowship? Yeah. Maybe the person has to work a lot. How much encouragement are they getting from their brother or sister in Christ? I think that I, I'm, I'm jealous of those. Like Brother Lewis gets to work with Ralphie. That's great. I used to get to work with Ralphie. <laughs> Not trying to talk about Ralphie's great and wonderful, but he's a Christian, right? You get, to, you get to bounce each fellowship off each other, right? If one person is starting to fall, say, hey, I'm going to help you pick you up. You got a great encourager there, don't you? But you know what? There's times when we have to say, oh, man, I need to think of others outside of the, outside of the box of this church. Miss Sophie and, and Miss Yolanda, they both have babies. Ladies, maybe we could fix something and take over to them. How, long, how much would it take to take a little time and, and fix them something to eat for the family? Boy, that would be an encouragement to them, wouldn't it? We have to what? Love the brethren. And not only in word. Turn to First First John, verse three, chapter three, and verse eighteen. Says so in verse eighteen, it says, "My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but what, in deed and in truth." Come here, Danny. I use you as an illustration. Danny's my brother in Christ, right? And, uh, Danny, it's so good to see you, man. How you doing? Now, did I really love my brother there? Did I? I said hi to him. Let's try this again. Come here, Danny. Man, I had a, he has to get his exercise this morning, you know. All right. How you doing, Danny? How's your week been? Going good. Yeah. He doesn't know how his week's been. He's been doing school. Yeah? How's school going? It's going good. Yeah? You doing good in all your classes? Yep. Just tell me you're failing. Yeah. Okay, so Danny just told me he has a need, doesn't he? Right? He's failing his classes. Oh, so what are you failing him then? Yeah. Um, math. Okay, let's just stop right there. He just told me he's failing. Hot. He's no good at math, okay? Well, basic math, division, addition, subtraction, multiplication, I got. Don't try to talk to me about this algebra junk business. You won't, okay? But you know what? I could help Danny, couldn't I? How could I help Danny? You could pray for him. Five bucks, yeah. Hey, go to Starbucks. No, let's not go to that liberal place. Let's go somewhere else, okay? Here, here's five bucks. Go to Popeyes. All right? Amen? It's good stuff right there. All right? I could be an encouragement to him further than just saying, how you doing, Danny? But sometimes that's the limitation of our Christian love, isn't it? How you doing? Good to see you. Glad you could make it to church. All right? There's no interest in this person. All right? Besides saying hi. How you doing? How many's ever said how you doing? And didn't care what the other person was doing, how the other person was doing. I've done that. I try to be friendly to the people at these uh, hotels because they do matter, these porters and stuff like that. And it's funny. 
When you walk in the door with a smile on your face, and you actually talk to them about things, you know how easy your job becomes? Literally, these guys are doing stuff. I'm getting information from their hotel, and I'm sharing it with other people. A lot of hotels do this because it's kind of the way to find out the competitive edge of their markets. And uh, I'll go into these hotels and I'll say, hey, honey, they'll be getting that information. Hey, oh, wait, 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 wait. Where are you going? And I'm sure their managers are like, why are you loving this guy? They could care less about me. I'm not bringing profit to their company unless they're a client of mine. And so anyway, I'm, I'm going there with a smile. I'm tell, I, go, I might even tell them a story. This last week I had uh, uh, <laughs> pulled up to one of the hotels and as I was getting out of my car, somebody else, some Chinese lady opens the back door of my car. And I'm going, what are you doing? So you're the Uber driver, right? No? I'm just here at the hotel. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to tell that to the guy. I said, I should have took it for a drive. I took their fare. Make some money at the same time. Kick out of that. But you know what? I'm I'm sharing my life with that person. And eventually, before long, when I share my life with that person, what happens? There becomes a bond. You can do this with only a fleshly attitude. I saw this this quote this week. There's two differences between lust and love. You know what the differences are? Love is to give. Lust is to give. Love is to give. Lust is to give. When you really love someone, you're going to what? Give things to them. You're not always doing things just to get. But we do it a lot, don't we? What can this do to benefit me? We are the opportunists. Right? Christians can be the worst. What can I do to get something from this person? What can I do? I have a friend like that. I have a friend like that. I got a friend like that. That's the only thing he called me about. Not just to call me up and say, hey, how you doing? You need some help. I might make you. What's that? You can be a blessing to them, can't you? Right. But that's sometimes our attitude personally. I agree with you. I think it's great. You can be a blessing to someone else. I never deny this person. I usually am more than accommodating for them. Because, like you said, it's important to love the Christian, the brother. But ourselves, should we be like that? No, our goal should be what? To give. And it doesn't stop, and I know I'm kind of belaboring it, but I think I'm almost, I don't want to move on to the next point, and this is a great point to talk about. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. How can you benefit each one? Have you prayed for them? And that's where you should start. Have you prayed for them? Once you start praying for them, I guarantee you there is going to affect this heart of yours.
let's keep this mind, and we'll 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 go on because uh, I'm out of time. But this idea of brotherly love, and we'll talk about more of this in the morning service. Let's close in a word of prayer. Let's stand together. And Zachary, will you uh, close us in a word of prayer?